Luke chapter 20, verses 20 to 26. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partially, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius whose portrait and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Please keep your Bibles open there at Luke chapter 20, verse 20. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, we pray that you would guide us this morning as we reflect on who you are and what you have done for us through Christ Jesus. We pray that you would convict our hearts, let your word not wash over us and then be forgotten, Lord. May your Holy Spirit make your word effective in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just after uh, we return from holidays, you know, when you come back from holidays, there's always lots of jobs to be done. I couldn't believe how high the grass had grown while we were away. It was so bad, I actually took a photo of it. But um, just after we got back, I decided it was time that I serviced my ute. So I took it over the shed and I started working on it. Now, most of you know that I used to be a mechanic, so working on my own vehicles is nothing out of the ordinary for me. I assumed that it'd be about an hour's worth of tinkering in the shed, nothing too big a deal, but I was about to get a very unpleasant surprise. I drained the oil out of the ute and, and put it up on my hoist and began looking all over it. And as I looked over it, I, I, everything looked okay, and I replaced the oil filter, put the plug back in and filled the oil up, all the normal kind of things you do when you're servicing a vehicle. But when I turned the key and to start up that vehicle, well, a red light came on and a warning you never want to see on your car started flashing, saying, oil pressure low. So I quickly turned it off, got out my torch and I started looking all around the vehicle could not see any oil leaks, couldn't see anything wrong. Checked the oil level, it was right. So I puzzled, I thought, well, I'm gonna to have to start it up again. So I started it up and straight away, oil pressure low. For those of you who aren't mechanically inclined, if your vehicle doesn't have oil pressure, well, it's not very long before you're going to have a bad day, before your vehicle's going to basically self, engine's going to self-destruct. The worst thing was that as I looked at it, I couldn't see why it was doing what it was doing. I'd used a reputable brand oil filter and the oil level was spot on. It was a fairly normal thing that I'd done thousands, literally thousands of times to many different types of vehicles. But in my mind, there was only two options. Either there was something wrong with my brand new oil filter or I was about to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars fixing that engine. 
And so as you'd expect, I began to get quite stressed. I raced down to the local shop in town to grab another oil filter, but they didn't have the one I wanted. So I jumped back in the car and raced over to Tamora and raced back again. And as I drove along, I began complaining to God about what was going on. This was meant to be a fairly easy afternoon. It was meant to be a fairly relaxing job. But all of a sudden, it had turned into a big drama. When I got back, I, I put the new, another new oil filter on the ute. And straight away, as soon as I hit the key, the oil light came, went out and everything was okay. That oil filter, even though it was a reputable brand, hadn't been manufactured correctly. It wasn't my fault I hadn't done anything wrong. But that manufacturing defect had taken my afternoon from being a fairly relaxing one, tinkering in the shed, to a time that was quite stressful. And to be honest, I couldn't help but feel a bit like I didn't deserve what had happened. But that's because I didn't know that God was providing me with a sermon illustration for this morning. It's amazing how quickly that we can feel hard done by when our circumstances aren't going our way, the way that we think they should go. When machinery we're depending on breaks down, when it rains all the way through harvest, or we don't get rain when we're sowing or in the lead up to harvest, when things just aren't going the way that we think they should go. It's really easy to feel hard done by. It's really easy to feel as though we aren't getting what we deserve. And the verses we're looking at this morning are speaking directly into the heart condition that leads us to feel this way. These verses are challenging our desire to get what we think we deserve and instead to give God what belongs to him. Now, in the previous verses, Jesus had just told a parable about some wicked tenants to a large group of Jewish people and there among them were many Jewish religious leaders. And these religious leaders knew that Jesus had told this parable about them, so they were not very happy. They knew that Jesus had just called them the wicked tenants, and they were absolutely livid. Jesus hadn't given them the respect that they believed they deserved. They did, after all, hold important positions of influence amongst the Jewish people. And so for Jesus to not show them the honour that they believed they deserved, they thought it was a crime. And as we get to verse 20, we're told that these religious leaders were so upset with Jesus that they sent spies out to try and catch him in something that he might say. These religious leaders were more concerned about getting what they thought they deserved than they were about being men of integrity. And more concerning than that, they were more worried about getting what they deserved than they were about giving God the glory that he deserves. They were willing to do whatever it took to get rid of Jesus. Even though the teachers of the law and the chief priests had a lot of influence over the Jewish people, 
Well, they didn't have the power that they wanted to have. You see, the Jews at that point in history were under the authority of the Roman Caesar. He was the one who was really in charge. Israel was living under Roman occupation. And so as much as these these Jewish religious leaders would have liked to have gotten rid of Jesus, the only way they could do that was to convince Rome to do it for them. They had to come up with some sort of a reason that offended the Roman Caesar. And so these spies were sent out. They were sent out by the teachers of the law and the chief priests, those who should have been honouring and respecting Jesus, should have been recognising who he is. They went to Jesus and they went to him asking a question. But before they did that, they thought they'd better butter him up. They needed to try and convince Jesus that they were on his side. They needed to try and ingratiate themselves toward Jesus. And so they said, teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They were trying to appeal to Jesus' pride. They were trying to Well, most other rabbis, it would have worked, I'm sure. They were trying to show that they were on Jesus' side, which really shows how much they underestimated who they were talking to. Once they'd done their best job to try and convince Jesus that these were friendly friendly speakers, this was a legitimate question, they asked, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? These spies and the religious leaders who had sent them no doubt thought that they had Jesus stumped by this question. There'd long been a really serious tension between the Jewish people and the Roman uh, nation. If Jesus said no to this question, then the outcome would have likely been extremely explosive. It wouldn't have been the first time there was a physical conflict over this question. The spies would have, of course, run straight to the Roman authorities and dobbed Jesus in. Well, the people who respected Jesus, his disciples and the people in this crowd may have even tried to physically protect him from the Roman soldiers. On the other hand, if Jesus said yes, well, then he would have been considered a traitor to his own people a traitor to Israel, and the people would have soon abandoned him in disgust. You see, these spies thought that they had Jesus trapped, but he saw straight through their thinly veiled flattery. He knew that they were only trying to catch him in his words. And so he asked them, show me a denarius. Now, what's really striking about this is when Jesus asked them to show him a denarius, there's no, oh, we don't have one anyone around here. One of them seems to have pulled it out of his pocket and held it straight up. These Jewish spies had accepted the Roman currency as their own. They were clearly had it on their person and they were clearly using it. So Jesus 
points out their hypocrisy by saying, whose portrait and inscription are on this denarius? And they no doubt reluctantly replied, Caesar's. They could hardly deny it because they were holding up the denarius in their hands with that inscription and that image for all to see. So Jesus said these incredible words, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, well, they knew there was nothing they could do. Their plan had failed. They became silent. The denarius was a Roman coin. It belonged to the Roman Empire. What Jesus is saying is that it is right for those who follow Jesus to pay taxes to the ruling authorities that are placed over them, that God has placed over them. As citizens under divinely appointed rule, it is right for Christians to pay taxes to those authorities that God has put in charge. We may not like a government at any given time. We might not agree with all of their decisions, the decisions that they make. We know the Jewish uh, Israel certainly weren't fans of Roman occupation. But as those who follow Jesus, we are called to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We are called by God to pay our taxes and to obey the laws of the land, even when we disagree, with just one exception. And that is when the laws of the land to command us directly to disobey God or his word. Because it's ultimately not about obeying Caesar. It's ultimately about obeying God, who has called us to obey those authorities that he has placed over us. So the second half of Jesus' answer was, give to God what is God's. So what is it that belongs to God? Well, on this coin that these spies held up, it had the image of Caesar. And it showed that it belonged to Rome. It belonged to the Caesar. But we are made in God's image. God's image is on each of us. So the answer is ourselves, our lives, and everything we have. Everything we are and have has come from God. So everything we are and have belongs to God. Even the things that we feel like we deserve, even the future that we feel like we have earned, even the respect that we believe we have worked hard to achieve. Giving God what is God's requires us to hand our past, present and future over to him. To put ourselves in his hands and trust that he will do what is best for our good and for his glory. Which of, course, which, of course, is really hard to do when it feels as though everything is falling apart. When we're facing serious heartache, like the loss of loved ones or, or broken relationships. When we're wrestling with unrealized dreams. 
Jewish religious leaders in these verses were trying to trap Jesus because they believed that he wasn't showing them the respect that they deserved. If Jesus had been patting them on the back for all of their good piety and religious service, they would have loved him. But because Jesus came to challenge what they thought they deserved, they did everything they could to try and get rid of him. And their reaction to Jesus and this teaching should challenge us to think about what we think we deserve. Sometimes I think we tend to think about those out there as the sinners and us not so much. But sin is something that God takes very, very seriously. And it's something that we are all guilty of. It's something that damages our relationship with God and with those around us. Romans 3, you've heard me say many times, tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We are all guilty and we all deserve God's judgment. The good news is that God doesn't treat us as we think we deserve. We all so easily fall into the trap of feeling as though we are hard done by when things don't go our way, when we don't get what we think we deserve, when in reality, if God were to really give us what we deserve, well, we'd be facing his judgment, eternal separation and his, the full measure of his wrath. But because God loves us so much, He chose not to treat us as we really deserve. But instead, he treats those who trust in Jesus as Jesus deserves to be treated. Jesus lived the perfectly sinless life that we could not live, and he died the death that we deserve to die. And he was raised so that those who trust in him might not be treated as they deserve, but be treated as Christ deserves. So God deserves our everything. When things are going well, or when things feel like they're falling apart. So when we're tempted to grumble or complain, and I know I can do my fair share of that, I think we're all guilty at times of that, when it feels as though we aren't getting the blessings that we feel we deserve, the best remedy for that heart condition is to remind ourselves of the gospel, the good news that God hasn't treated us as we we deserve. That Jesus wasn't treated as he deserved and he wasn't treated as he deserved for us, so that God wouldn't have to treat us as we really deserve. Because instead of giving us the judgment that we have earned through our sinful actions, he shows us mercy, forgiveness, and grace. So as those who have received what we did not earn through faith in Jesus, may we give our Saviour all that he deserves 
our trust, when it feels as though everything's falling apart, our time in prayer, sharing our concerns and our frustrations and complaining to him if we feel that way so that we can remind ourselves that he doesn't treat us as we really deserve. May we give the Lord our gratitude and our praise because he hasn't treated us as our sins deserve. But instead, as Ephesians 1 tells us, he has given us every blessing through Christ Jesus, which is infinitely, infinitely more than we deserve. So may we not grumble over earthly blessings that we think we deserve, but instead may we give our God the glory, knowing that he hasn't treated us as our sins deserve that has shown us mercy through the death of his son. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we acknowledge that there are times when we all grumble. We all get upset about silly things, Wi-Fi that's not playing up, machinery that doesn't work, whatever it is, Lord. We can so easily feel as though we are being hard done by We can so easily forget how much you have blessed us and that we don't even deserve our next breath. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you do not treat us as our sins deserve and that you did not treat Christ as he deserved for us when he died in our place. Lord, when we're tempted to feel hard done by, when we're tempted to complain. Remind us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you do not treat us as our sins deserve, but show us love and mercy and forgiveness through the death of your Son. And we pray this in his name. Amen.